So I'm excited about today. I'm super pumped. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. We're kicking off this campaign we're calling, you know, Fully Alive, and we're, t- we're taking just 40 days to really focus in on what that means. And last week, if you weren't here, I gave a packing list to pray about. It had some things on there and asking if you'd be willing to commit to doing some, some specific things like being here each week, um, reading your Bible and praying, fasting once, once a week. If, you, if you're here today and you had that list, I'm assuming that means you're saying, all right, let's go. If you weren't here, too bad. You're with us now, okay? You're on this journey together with us. But I want, I want this to be a day where we're glad that we are here. How many of you guys are glad you're here? Some people, you'll never understand sometimes the, the difficulty sometimes when you're standing up here. You're like, I don't think these people want to be here. Um, but I, I believe you guys are glad you are here. And in our preschool room back in Clarksville, one of our leaders, every time she gets up on the stage, she goes, do we have to go to church or do we get to go to church? And all the preschoolers shout back, we get to go to church. And I need my we get to go to church people today. And not only do we get to go to church, we get to be the church. Because this is a gathering. We are the church. So just remember, you're the church all week long. And I'm excited that you guys are here with us today. And today, we don't have to go to Scripture. We get to go to Scripture. What a gift that God has given us through Scripture. And so we're going to start today going straight to um, Scripture. And we've got two passages we're going to look at today. The first one can be found in the book of John, John chapter 1. And the other one we're going to look at is in Galatians 6. We're going to start right away, John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 35. So John 1, 35 says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now this is talking about um, John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, has some followers, and so it says John was there with his disciples. So that's the John this is talking about. It says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So I want us to take a note of something in this passage. So in the book of John, there's something that's really interesting and really important. I want you to just take a note of this. The very, very, very first words that Jesus speaks, if you had a red letter Bible, they'd be the first words in red in the book of John, is actually a question. And I think it's an important question. And it's a question that actually is the title of my message today. And it's a question that we need to ask ourselves a lot. And it's simply this, what do you want? We're starting this kind of fully alive 40 days, and it's important for us to start by just saying, what do I want? What do you want? I want everybody to say, what do you want? want? Look at the person next to you. Say, what do you want? want? I heard somebody, it's like, what do you want? (laughs) Like somebody's on your door and you're just yelling at them. What do you want? No, no, no. Just, what do you want? And Jesus is asking these guys, what do you want? So before we go any further, let's pray really quick. God, what a joy to be here this morning. God, what a, a, just a pleasure to gather together to hear what you have to say to us. God, I pray that your word, God, would speak louder than mine. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. So what do you want? It's a question that 
we don't even realize how many times it actually goes in in our brains. We just subconsciously almost ask ourselves at this point. Um, it's ingrained in a lot of the decisions that we make. And if you asked me, what do I want? I brought a bag. And in this bag are two of my favorite. I love these things. Okay, I promise. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love Tostitos. It's real bad, like Tostitos. And then I also love Oreos. These, these, are, these are two of the loves of my life. I'm sorry. Um, Tostitos are a bad addiction for me. I know some of you may not like them, but I believe Tostitos go with every meal. And I'm not kidding. I've had them with spaghetti, um, mashed potatoes, meatloaf. It doesn't matter. Tostitos. It's a fried corn addiction that I have. Um, and then there's Oreos. Come on. We'll go and we're having some kind of get together or we're going to a party or maybe we're going to a small group and my wife, we go to the store and she's like, we need to get something to bring. And you know, she goes for like these fruit stuff and celery. Nobody wants your celery and <laughs> charcuterie, salami junk. And I'm like, you know what you should just bring? Oreos. Ain't nobody going to get upset if you walk up to a place with Oreos. And if you need to, that's right, double stuffed. And if you need to, put them on a fancy plate, fan them out, you know, whatever. You can put some celery in the middle of them. I don't care. <laughs> and if our friends are too bougie for Oreos, we just need some new friends or I'm going to eat them all. So either way. But if you say, what do you want? And we go to the store, I'm always going to go to these things. But the problem is, what do I really, really want? I really want health. I really want my doctor to not get on my case about having high blood pressure. I really want one day when I have grandkids to be able to move enough to actually hang out with them. And if we're honest, what I really want is abs. Come on. Because <laughs> what I really, really want is for my wife to go, wow. Is that too far? I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> If you're married, I mean, come on. And what happens is the things that we want actually tend to compete with the things we actually want. Because this makes me happy now. The other things are actually better for me long term. And so today we're actually going to take a look at that question. Just what do we want? And if somebody, if somebody asked me which one of these do I like better, most of you guys would choose Oreos. But if I had to choose one... I'm going to open these and just dump the Oreos in, and we'll just have Tostorios or Oritos, whatever. <laughs> but we all know we've got to actually listen, and sometimes instead of just subconsciously asking ourselves and then just going in whatever direction, we've got to pause and ask ourselves, what do I actually want? And Jesus stops and he sees these men because the first thing he does is John points them towards Jesus. They start following him and Jesus turns around and asks the question, what do you want? They respond, they were wanting to know where he is staying. But Jesus didn't give them just some simple answer. He didn't tell them where he was staying. He gave, an, um, he gave them an action step of what to do. He gave them a way to respond with action. He didn't just say, hey, I'm staying up around the corner past your Mima's house. Okay, he gave them an action step. If they really wanted an answer, 
they would have to move in a direction. And I think it's a simple thing, but in verse 39, it says this. It says, so they went. And if we read that, we could read that time and time again, and we would just glance over this simple three-word response. So they went. These men took action. They took steps towards following. And as little as it may seem, so they went was their response. And sometimes we need some so they wins. Just little responses that make big impacts. Because we'll say we want things, but then our so they went says something else. We say, man, I want to get out of debt. And then so you went and spent all the money you didn't have buying things you couldn't really afford. You say, man, I want my kids to obey and to just actually listen to me. But then so you went and didn't actually listen to your heavenly father and expect them to listen to their earthly one. Maybe you say, man, I want a marriage that's strong and passionate. But then so you went and scrolled on your phone all night long and didn't pay any attention to your spouse. I hope you don't feel like I'm picking on you or getting on you because these are actually all things that I've had to deal with at some point in life. Making this wrong so they went hinge points that don't lead you to the things that you actually want. And these guys had a so they went moment that would change everything. And as we start this journey together, I really want us to think, what is it that we want? You personally as a church? What are the healthy things that we want? Not the in the moment, not the, the minute by minute, but the actual direction that we want to go. Verse 39, so they went. And my desire is that we look back at these six, seven weeks in 2023 and you say, you know what? This was a so they went moment. This was a turn my focus and attention towards following Jesus fully type of season in my life. It was a so they went. And so each week, I I read it last week, I'm going to read it every single week for the next six or seven weeks. It's our kind of so they went statement. And it's the thing that I'm going to encourage you guys to do. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more today, but here's, here's here's what it is. Daily, I will be grateful, faithful, and healthy. Weekly, I will commit to Christ centered community, gathering large, gathering small, and stepping out in faith to gather more. Together, we will pray, give, serve, and live, love more than ever before this day, this week. Together, we will be fully alive. If you guys are with me on this, say, So they went. Say, so I went. Okay, really, I want us to be able to say, so I went and did all these things. I was grateful. I was faithful. I was healthy. Committed to, committed to Christ-centered community. Those are hinge points. Those are dis- decisions that we can make. But sometimes those seem really big. And we're going to talk about how important it is. Sometimes it just even start small. Because so they went. is something we read over and it doesn't seem like a big deal in this passage. But it actually changed the course of these guys' lives. That so they went led them to following Jesus and spending a day with him. This day, at the end of this day, they would say, man, this is the Messiah. So they went for this guy named Simon. Jesus spoke to him and said, this guy actually is Peter. And this so they went planted the seeds of a, a man who would launch the church that we are still a part of today. And it started with just a, so they went. So these moments 
are important. Small seeds of faith eventually grow into something meaningful. Small little so they wince actually can turn into something powerful. And in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Paul is talking about just how important it is to not really fool ourselves, but also to take the, the understanding that these little small decisions add up. So Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap dis- destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I mean, reaping and sowing, planting and growing, it's a theme all throughout Scripture. And Paul is even saying, man, this, don't, don't think you can fool God. You can't plant something and grow something else. He says, don't be deceived. Don't think you can plant seeds of selfishness and laziness and then get health. Paul wants to remind his readers to not fool, like we shouldn't fool ourselves and think that we can follow all of our selfish desires and then get the things that God desires. Those little seeds that you plant grow into what you actually become. If we fool ourselves into thinking they're going to become something else, we're going to be really let down. A few years back, I had to kind of refurb my lawn. If any of you ever had to do that, it's just annoying, okay? But I had to put some new grass seed down, and you got to, you know, get the soil all ready. And you go out there, and I, I throw out, and I plant all this grass seed. Now, if I would have came out to that lawn, because grass seed grows what? What is grass seed supposed to grow? I'm hoping you guys, I mean, y'all are from Kentucky, but come on. <laughs> Sorry. But if I would have got up one morning, stepped out into my front porch and went, where is my corn? That'd be foolishness because I didn't plant corn. I planted grass. But sometimes we plant little habits and decisions in our life and expect to see something different in return. And it doesn't make any sense. And that's what God is even trying to show us through his word. Those little habits, those little decisions make what our life will become. What that means is today, if you, some of you guys you need to start planting some new seed. You need to have a, a different so they went. You need to start with some simple God-honoring choices. And for many of you, you hear this and you're encouraged She's like, man, I've been doing the right things. I've been trying to pray and I, I, I've been trying to, to love my spouse and, and you think I've been planting the right seeds. I've been taking the so they wince, but I'm not seeing anything. And, and you hear this, this reap and sow and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I buy into this. But let me tell you, sometimes those seeds with the greatest potential, they stay underground the longest. They have to grow their roots deep. And then finally, They'll see a breakthrough. So don't stop taking care of those good seeds. Because you may feel buried, but you're really just planted. When a farmer goes out and sows seed, and they, they throw it under the dirt, and then they put the dirt on top, they don't go, let's have a funeral for the seed. They have an expectation that that seed is going to turn into something better and different, and they're going to reap a harvest from it. So keep planting those seeds. Keep caring for what you've sown. Because the only way for that seed to become something is if it's buried underneath that dirt for a specific period of time. It's a process. So if you've been trying, man, just keep letting the process take place. 
You have to start with simplicity. A seed that's put into something bigger than itself so it can break open and become something new. It's just a simple step that becomes something significant. What's in your seed, it can only come out if it remains planted. And I remember I, I, I planted this grass seed. My front yard was starting to come in just fine and the back was not. And so you know what I did? I started messing with that seed a whole bunch. I started get, raking at it, putting new things on it. And that seed didn't take root because I kept messing with it. And sometimes we think we're doing the right things and we're not seeing it fast enough and we don't let it have the time to actually grow. Other times we think little small decisions don't matter that much. And so if it's just a little bad decision, who cares? If it's just a little good decision, what difference is that going to make? But sometimes we just, we can't judge the significance by the size of the seed. You can't judge the significance of a decision by the size of a seed. In fact, did you know a sunflower seed and a redwood tree seed are about the same size? Little decisions can make a big impact. Because you plant those, one becomes a seven, eight foot tall flower. The other one comes a 200, 300 foot tree. Sometimes we just need to let the process take its place. Because some of you guys are sowing seed that you may never see the full result of. Some of you are having little so-they-went moments that you may never see the full result of. But like a redwood tree that's going to be around for generations, you're changing the course of your family's tree. You're breaking cycles of addiction that have gone all throughout your family for years and years. And your small little decisions are starting to change that and break that. Don't give up. Let that continue to thrive and grow. And if you need to, start today. You have to let go of what you think you're supposed to be. Don't compare your seed to somebody else. And honestly, on a side note, some of you guys got good, like you have great so they went thoughts. You have great seed. You have, you have habits that you want to start. You want to do the right things. You just got some dumb friends. Truly, there is a truth that if I go and I drop a bunch of seed in a bunch of weeds or out on the concrete, the, Jesus speaks to it. It's not going to grow into what it's supposed to become. It's the importance of environment. And some of you guys need to change some of your environment. The things you listen to, the things you watch, the people you choose to spend time with. Because there are some people we don't choose to spend time with, honestly. We all have family. And we pray for those people if they're driving us crazy. But those people that you choose to be around, those things that you choose to do, is it actually helping? Is it creating good dirt and soil for you to grow in? That's why we encourage and that's why we talk about, like, be here on Sundays. Have a group that you're in. Serve with each other because that's good soil. That is where you're going to develop. That's where you're going to know, am I going in the right direction? Am I Am I following what Jesus wants? The, the success that you're going to experience is actually, it's an accumulation of multiple good decisions. Because our decisions, I want you to write this down. Our decisions give momentum to, to the direction of our life. Decisions give momentum to the direction of your life. So what momentum are you building? 
What momentum are you building? It's like a bike. When you get on a bike and you push that pedal down, at first you got to get that thing going. But as you get it going, it starts to build momentum. And you can start going faster and faster. And some of us, are we building the right momentum? Because no one wakes up one day and says, I want to be an addict today. No one wakes up and says, I want my marriage to fall apart. No one wakes up and says, I want to fail out of school. It's these little accumulation decisions that have added up to where they do give up, to where they do those things. But we can break that stuff. If you feel like you failed, if you feel like you're heading in the wrong direction, that's why I love So They Went. Because So They Went was a turn of direction. And a turn of direction is actually called repentance. And that's where we say, I'm not going to go this way anymore. I'm going to go this way now. And our God is a God of love who makes way for us to repent and come back to following him. Don't give momentum to failure. We heard at the beginning of our story, Jesus actually comes in contact with this guy named Simon who becomes Peter. And if you read in scripture the life of Peter, Peter has all kinds of different failure moments. And there's times once in a while when he's almost about to give that failure momentum and then Jesus steps in. And he releases it back to God and he goes back to doing the right things. Some of you today, you need to have the freedom to just say, Jesus, I need you because I'm heading in the wrong direction. I repent and I want to go where you're going. I want to do what you're doing. So don't give momentum to your failures. Today, I'm going to challenge you guys just to make some simple decisions. And some of you might, you might leave this place and say, okay, these are the simple decisions I'm going to make. I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to pray. And, and also, I'm going to have no sugar this week. I'm going to make a couple healthy choices. And then Wednesday is going to come. You wake up late and you have a Snickers bar for breakfast. <laughs> Just decide. Messed up. Repent. I'm not going to give that failure any momentum. I'm going to go in a God-honoring way. Simple decisions lead to deeper devotion. So I'm going to challenge you guys to make some simple decisions together as a group. And um, there's four of them here that I'm going to list off. And they might, some of them might seem small, some of them you might not like, but they all are scriptural. They're all honoring of God. So the first decision is this. And they're all questions because you've got to decide yes or no. Will you dedicate 1% of your time each day to both your spiritual and physical health? So 1% of your time each day is about 15 minutes. Not super long. The question is, will you take 15 minutes of your day and focus on your spiritual health? And that may mean reading scripture, worshiping, praying, whatever, whatever way that you can feel like you're connecting to God, will you take 15 minutes a day and do it? And I am not big on putting God on a stopwatch. I'm not. But sometimes I think we at least have to make a moment for him on our calendar. Like I remember when there was a new believer that came up and somebody was saying, man, I prayed for an hour and they came up and they asked, I didn't know we were supposed to measure how long we did this. And that's where I want you to get to, but sometimes we have to start somewhere. And just start. I'm going to take 1% of my time to focus on my relationship with God. And then we take 15 minutes to just focus on your physical health. God gave us this body. And I think it honors him when we take care of it. And I know you may think like, what is this? It's all throughout scripture talks about how this is a tool and are you using it well? And if you're not taking care of it, I don't know how well you're using it. 
So you take 15 minutes and go on a walk, lift something, stretch, do something to just get your blood moving a little bit because you're saying, okay, God, I'm honoring you with this thing you gave me because I want to use it to my best ability. So you take 15 minutes to do those two things. Decision number two. Will you take an extra step in generosity over the next 40 days and increase your giving to the church an extra 1%? And I say these things, and I, right when you say something about money, sometimes people get all like, oh, I don't know about this. And you know why? It's because we struggle with generosity but because honestly, we're talking about decisions today, and a lot of times our finances are what we focus on when we make almost any decision. And it's got control of a lot of our decisions. And when we take a step in generosity, it actually starts to release that control. And so I would encourage you, just take a step, take 1%. And if you're already a tithe, you're like, man, I already give 10%. I would encourage you for the next 40 days, go to 11. Just see. Just see what God does. If you've not done it at all, start with one. And some of you guys are like, you might be thinking, why isn't he telling them to go to 10? First off, I believe in just the power of generosity. And sometimes you have to just start. Just start. Just start. If you don't know how to calculate that, ask somebody. It's not that hard, I promise. But I would encourage you, take a step. We've got some things that we want to do to impact our our city. We talked about them on um, this Wednesday when I was here with our staff and our team. And we have even more ideas and dreams than we have finances. And that's where you guys step in. That's where we become a church that the city goes, we can't do without this church because this church is making an impact in our city. Decision number three, will you invite someone with you each week to be here at church? I want to get you guys to the point where you're just sharing your faith, and sharing your faith isn't necessarily just inviting someone to church, but this is a good starting place. So will you each week just invite someone to come with you to church? And they may say no, so what? You stepped out and you did your part. Because honestly, if all of us invited someone the returns on people you don't know and you do know would equal out to about 35, 40% of people would actually show up, which means these seats would all be full pretty quick. And that means more people that get to hear that God loves them, that he wants to know them, that he's got a purpose for their life. And there's something that it does in us when we invite people to church, it builds a boldness in us. But also when we see them walk through the door, if you've ever invited somebody to church and then you see them show up, there is an overwhelming joy that comes across your spirit. And it's because it's the joy of the Lord. He has a heart for the lost. And when, you, when he sees them come to a gathering like this, it just, it floods you. So whether that's just a random waitress or somebody you know, just invite them. And if it is a neighbor, a friend, if it's somebody at school, an easy way to do this is just ask people, how was your weekend? And guess what they're gonna ask you back? How was your weekend? You can say, it was awesome. I had a great time at church. And that opens a door for you to have a conversation about inviting them. Fourth decision is this. Each week you're going to get a little guide. Looks like this. And in this guide there are little prayer prompts. There's stuff for you to daily say, I'm grateful for this. Here's how I'm praying. And the challenge is just use this. It's got to focus on what it looks like to fast and why we should be fasting and just once a week doing something along those lines. But will you use the guide each week? It's also at the back, it's got a space for questions about what we talked about today for you to gather with a group. And it could be just, it's a you and a who. Get you and somebody else 
and just have a conversation about what happened in church today. So will you do that? And then will you also, as you guys came here today, you probably saw some sticky notes on things. At the end of service, will you actually take a step and say, okay, because of the message today, I'm encouraged and I will, and just write it. We're talking about starting momentum. And sometimes we get excited about church and right when we walk out the door, the momentum goes, and just writing a sticky note can help kickstart that momentum that you're like, okay, let's go. Write it on there. Take a picture. Remind yourself of what you want to do this week. And I know today, honestly, this message isn't super deep. It's not. It's not super deep. It's not my normal style either. But sometimes I think as Christians, we want deep because deep means we got to think about it a lot. And simple means we actually got to do it. And sometimes we need just simple. I love digging deep into scripture, but I think we can get in the habit if we're Christians to like, I know all about the depths of the ocean, but I've never actually swam outside of the kiddie pool. I can tell you everything that's down there, but I've never swam in it. And we need to take some little steps to actually not just knowing deeper, but being deeper. Not just knowing about God, but actually being disciples. So before we dive deep, we've got to get daily. We've got to become disciples. Jesus didn't tell Peter, hey, go real deep and go get a PhD. He said, just come and see and follow me. I just rhymed. I'm Dr. Seuss all of a sudden. (laughs) But that, I mean, that makes sense. You don't need a PhD. Just come and see. And so they went. So to close, I want to take what might seem like a sharp turn in today's message because the very first time I spoke up here, I said, I am not a TED Talk, make your life better, 10 steps to a better you type of a preacher. I believe in preaching that always focuses on Jesus Christ. So this is the come to Jesus portion of this message. So hear me on this. Your decisions matter. God wants you to experience a full life and your decisions make a difference. So yes, they do matter, but God's decision matters more. And God's decision was you. God's decision that he had a plan. He had a purpose. And if our last bad decision impacted how God sees us, we'd all be in trouble. But let me inform you that despite despite what any self-help book may tell you, Your decisions are not what determine your destiny. Your destiny was paved and paid for by Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to him. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, taking all my guilt, shame, all my poor choices and decisions, put in a tomb and on the third day he rose, defeating death, then making a way for me to have right relationship with God. Nothing that I can take credit for, nothing that I can do about it other than just receive the gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, I'm saved by grace through faith. And the reason is so that I don't try to think I can work for it and take the credit for it. Our decisions matter, but just receiving the gift of salvation matters way more. Jesus made the first move. He said, I'm going to give up everything for you. That decision came from him. It's a decision of love. And if you think that your decisions impact how much God loves you, 
If you think that you have to make all the right choices and do all the right things to attain the Father's love, you'll always be chasing that. God loves you even when you mess up. I don't want you to create a life where you think you have to work for faith instead of just walking in it. I don't want you to chase, I have to be worthy instead of worshiping the one who is. So this message today, it's not about just trying harder. It's about trusting God more. At the beginning, they didn't have to try harder. They just trusted and so they went. So I'm not asking you guys to just get more gumption. I'm asking you guys to surrender to Jesus more. Don't try harder. Trust him. It's all about discipleship. Salvation is this. Salvation is a gift that's given to us freely. We just receive it. But discipleship is a decision. And we have to make that daily. Salvation is a gift. Receive it. But discipleship, that's a decision you have to continually make. And we're going to mess up sometimes. We just repent and we come back to it. So as we end, I want to be, just go back to where we began. And it's the question. And you all have to just go through this today. What do you want? What do you want? I want all of you guys to take steps, including myself, to be healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy. I want those of you who don't know Jesus to surrender your life to him and say, I need more of him in my life. I want you who've never been baptized to be baptized in a few weeks with us. I want healthy decisions that are creating momentum in your life and healthy decisions that are creating momentum in this church. As a church, we're going to be generous. As a church, we're going to preach Jesus. As a church, we're going to be active in our community. And I want us to be, the, each of you, to be the same way. So what I really want, I just want more of God. I want heaven to become more populated. I want all these seats to be full, not because it's fun for us, but because when these seats are full, it means that you've been faithful with your testimony. I want a church that's known as a place that's for Paducah. Just people that said, where are you going, Jesus? He said, why don't you come and see? And a church and a people, they said, okay. So they went. So what do you want? I think we all want to go where Jesus is going. 